Thanks for joining us today for TED Speaks with your host, Ted Carew, the Positive Safety Coach. As co-host and Ted's wife, I have the added task of keeping Ted in line and laughing at his jokes, which isn't always easy. My name is Barb Carew. We are coming to you from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, home of the Brewers, Miller Beer, and the Fonz. How could it get any better than that? Our podcast focuses on sharing ideas with business owners and safety professionals to keep employees safe and families together. Our passion for keeping people safe is the reason Total Health and Safety Solutions was created. This is how Ted is able to share his 25 years of safety experience by supporting companies around the globe in their efforts to strengthen their health and safety process. Proper training is the key to giving people the knowledge and tools to be successful. However, managing safety training can be overwhelming and time-consuming. Over 80% of injuries are human error. 81% of safety managers say that breaking workers free from their task is a major problem. Total Health and Safety Solutions now offers online training that will provide excellent content to your employees and make scheduling time much easier. It's important to ensure your safety training is meeting regulatory requirements, measurable, retained, and verifiable. We want to help you make safety training easy and effective, alleviating the worry, wondering if workers are being trained properly so they can perform tasks safely. Our online training, TED-Ed, gives many options to meet your specific needs and is offered in multiple languages. It's as easy as one, two, three. Go to our website at healthandsafetynow.com, click on TED-Ed in the top right corner, pick a topic, click start, and create your own account. It's that simple. With our online training, you will have greater accountability, the ability to verify training, flexibility of scheduling, improved retention, no worries with language barriers, and more time to focus on other safety needs. If proper training isn't done, injuries will continue and OSHA issues will arise. So please check out our online training. Again, it's as easy as one, two, three. Go to healthandsafetynow.com. Please join us in welcoming David Collingwood. In his role at McClone, David is responsible for overseeing two key service areas, workers' compensation claims advocacy and safety and loss control. With more than 35 years of leadership experience in carrier work comp claims management, David has worked closely with clients in a variety of industries, including construction, manufacturing, healthcare, and hospitality, to help them understand work comp claims processes and mitigate claims. Company safety practices and procedures are key to reducing claims, and David uses his knowledge of state statutes, case law, and complex claims to help clients identify risks, increase safety awareness, and maximize carrier resources. Prior to joining McClone in 2020, David most recently worked for Secura Insurance Company. He holds a bachelor degree in economics from Illinois State University and served on the board for the Wisconsin Claims Council as well as an insurance liaison on the Wisconsin Workers' Compensation Advisory Council. David is also actively involved in the Menasha, Wisconsin community, and he currently serves as president of the Congregation for Trinity Lutheran Church. Hey, David, uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? I am good. Um, Thank you for being on TED Speaks today. Could you kind of give our uh, listeners a little bit of background about you? 
Yeah, sure thing. Well, I currently work for uh, the McClone Insurance Agency here in Menasha, Wisconsin. We've got locations throughout the state. My uh, role here at McClone is uh, Director of Workers' Compensation Claims and Safety. I've been with McClone for about three years. Prior to joining McClone, I, I was on the insurance company side of the table, so to speak, for 30, I think 32 plus years in specifically in workers' compensation claims, management, supervision. Early on in my career, I even was one of those frontline adjusters handling work comp claims. But definitely my background is in the workers' compensation arena. And still, when I moved over to the agency side of things, I'm still uh, tapping into that expertise, but more as an advocate for our clients. Working, I still work closely with the insurance company side of the table, but you know, just troubleshoot or brainstorm ideas on how to ensure that uh, our clients' work comp claims are being uh, proactively managed and, and moving to resolution. So I'm available to answer questions for our clients, help them through that work comp process. But likewise, I also have that safety side of the hat that I wear as well. I, I don't profess to be an expert on the safety side, but I we do have access to various resources should our clients have any safety needs or uh, questions around safety, training, what have you, uh, certainly you're a, a one, one of our uh, nice resources to have access to. We work with the loss control departments with the insurance companies, but we do everything we can to help our clients ensure that they're promoting a, a safety, a strong safety program within their organizations. Really adding that value to, to your clients, right? We try to, absolutely. I was going to say, just listening to how you summed up everything you do, that's a very important role with a lot of information. And I think you joining us today, that will be a good point of view for our listeners to hear. A lot of times we have safety professionals on, but hearing kind of a different side of it and behind the scenes and such. So I'm going to start kind of with a simple question for many, but we have some of our clients that ask for our help. And some of them ask this simple question, what's the difference between an EMR and a mod rate? Sure. Good question. In essence, they're one and the same. EMR is the experience mod rating, or sometimes you'll just hear it referred to as uh, what's your mod, what's your experience rating, what have you. But essentially, the, the experience mod is an important component in determining what, what our clients pay in workers' compensation premiums. In essence, they essentially, when you're calculating a, a premium for a work comp policy, you're basically given a, a base premium rate. You take that times the payroll for that individual company, and then they multiply that by your experience rating or your mod rating. That mod rating in, in simplest terms is basically comparing the expected losses for that type of an a company that type, uh, within that industry type based on payroll factors and that type of thing compared to what the actual losses are for that client or that employer. It's based on a three-year policy period history, not including your most recent recently completed policy term. It's looking at the three prior years prior to that and looking at what that average cost of claims actually are the actual losses versus the 
expected losses, what they would expect to see in that industry type. And in essence, if you're basically meeting industry standards or meeting what your competitors are doing, you're you're going to come in at a 1.0 mod rating. That means you're kind of meeting you're not above or below expectations. You're kind of coming right in where they expect to see you. Now, the goal is to actually get your experience rating down below a one. Anything below a one means that you're actually doing better than what the industry standard is. So, for example, if you have a 0.75 mod, uh, when you fill that into the calculations and play that out, you're actually going to be getting a 25% discount off of what your premiums would be. And adversely, if you have a higher mod, like anything over a one, let's say, for example, a 1.25, you're actually going to be paying an additional 25% on top of what the base rate would be. So, the goal is always to try and be at minimum at, at one or below, and anything above is when you're running a bit of a temperature, and and that's where you know safety comes into play. Where uh, we try and work with our clients to identify areas of improvement, areas of opportunity where we can help them, you know, either eliminate claims altogether or keep them mitigated as best as we can. So, so that that's a huge difference, though, how you were explaining that, you know, one, you know, the average is one. If you're below, you save money above. So safety, a, a company's safety record obviously affects premiums and maybe the ability to get coverage. Does it ever get that bad? Oh, I mean, it, it can at times. I mean, if, you know, we have some clients out there that are running, you know, running a bit of a fever, so to speak, running those higher mods and, you know, over a period of time, if it's a continuous problem or issue, you know, insurance companies and underwriters are going to, you know, they look at it every year. Every time it comes up for renewal, they're looking at their losses, their loss history, their mod, you know, and at, at some point in time, an insurance company, an underwriter may get to the point where they they just decide to uh, non-renew non that client. And obviously, we have access to other insurance companies, and our goal is to always place them with the best possible carrier, insurance carrier, and and get them favorable ratings. But you know, worst case scenario, if we can't, if we have trouble finding a company that's an insurance company willing to take on that that risk, they could possibly be a candidate for the the pool where you're going to pay basically <laughs> pretty much what what the state dictates and. Uh, uh, you don't want to go there. I mean, worst case scenario, if you have no other choice, that you may not have a choice and you and you get uh, put into the pool. But uh, the goal and, and when that happens, we as a, an agency, we will work with the, with that company, with that client to, again, try and improve their overall safety program, drive those losses down, do what we can to, to improve that mod. But the fact that that mod is calculated over a three-year policy period, it's not something that can happen overnight. It's, it, it is a process. You got to start somewhere. Um, you start building out their safety culture. And then hopefully, if you, if you do it right over time, their losses will decrease or minimize to the point where, you know, those bad years drop off, get replaced by good good claim activity, good claim experience. And over time, you you hope to see that mod go down. 
So Right. Kind of like you said before, all of the things that you guys try to do and offer to keep your clients from getting to that bad spot is why you offer all those resources. I just have a quick question. Who calculates the mod rates? Is it the company that's responsible or? That's a good question. There's a probably, I want to say there's three different options. We're based here in Wisconsin. Wisconsin has an independent rating bureau, the Wisconsin Work Comp Rating Bureau, uh, that they do their own uh, reporting, own calculations. There's probably, I want to say there's 10 states throughout the country that have their own independent rating bureau within the state. If they're not state bureaus, then they there's the National Council on Compensation Insurance, NCCI. It's a national entity that, that gathers claim data from carriers. Even the state bureaus also, you know, they'll gather the data, the claim data from the insurance companies and, and formulate these, these ratings. But it can be either uh, the state independent bureaus, it can be the NCCI. There are four monopolistic states in the United States, Washington, Wyoming, North Dakota, and Ohio are the four monopolistic states. They do their own thing. But if if you're not within one of those four jurisdictions, it can be either a state bureau or the NCCI, or it can, can be a combination of both if you are located in multiple jurisdictions. In that scenario, then the NCCI rating would be would override all others. But they're all calculated very similarly in fashion, uh, looking at the same set of criteria. Yeah, you know, the EMR is so big to organizations, bottom line, you know, and I think sometimes people, you know, us being in safety and stuff like that, we understand that, but it, it can be a huge factor, don't you think, just just within companies being able to get work, you know, because their overhead may be that much higher if they're competing against another company. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, well, oftentimes too, in the construction industry, I know when you're working with uh, other you know, within the the construction industry, for example, if you're a a smaller contractor working for a a larger contractor, oftentimes they will even look to see they have set criteria when they're looking at hiring out and subcontracting out to work. Uh, They want their subcontractors to have a an experience mod below that one uh, number. So that can oftentimes be the determining factor whether or not you're going to get a piece of business uh, at a particular job site. So not only that, but if we even want to put it into more, let's just put it maybe put it into a, a simple example of let's say an employer's base rate is $100,000 in premiums. So you take that base rate times, let's say, for example, an employee, uh, an employer that has a 0.75 mod rate. So you take that $100,000 times 0.75, their premium is going to be $75,000. So adversely, if you have a, a mod rate of a 1.25, you're looking at $125,000. So you're talking about- For the same coverage. Yeah, for the same coverage. same coverage. You're talking well. about a difference of $50,000. So you're, again, you're incentivized to to have that lower mod and do what you can to lower those claims. So what do you think the importance of return to work is for an organization? And well, what do you suggest that companies do with the return to work when their employees do get hurt? Good question. Good question. Definitely return to work is, is very important. Uh, one thing I really didn't go into in the calculation of the mod 
but you are incentivized to accommodate return to work opportunities whenever you can. If you can keep a claim from turning into a lost time claim, and that includes, you know, permanency, sometimes there's permanency involved on certain types of injuries. But if you can keep a claim from turning into a lost time claim, those claims get reported into either the, the state rating bureau or NCCI, they get reported in at a 70% discount off of what the actual losses are. So that's so huge. That's huge. So you have a claim for, you know, $10,000 paid out in medical, it's only going to be reported in at, well, it gets reported in at $10,000. The rating bureau discounts it. 70%. So it's only going to impact your bod by 3000 versus the actual of 10,000. Once it goes into lost time, once there is lost time paid out on a claim, it goes in at 100%. Now the state does discount catastrophic claims. Once you hurt, hit a certain threshold, they'll, they'll cap it, but, uh, but it's going in at, at a hundred percent versus that 70% discount. So again, that, that, keeps your mod lower if you can keep it from going into lost time. Now, with that said, you know, there are going to be occasions where, you know, if you if you have a surgical neck or back or shoulder, knee, what have you, there's most likely going to be some lost time involved and also any surgical type of injuries. 99% of the time, you're probably going to have some permanency involved in those. So, you know, they happen. Uh, you still want to keep it to a minimum and keep the paid out uh, as low as you can. So it sounds like there's a lot of moving pieces when you talk about that. So a return to work program, if an employer doesn't have one, even a simple guide to what to do, that's something that they should do just to be prepared? Well, we strongly encourage that with our clients. Now, you know, obviously there's... we got a wide variety of different sizes of clients and, you know, some of the larger uh, clients that we have, obviously they they probably have access to more resources where they can invest in and and uh, identify opportunities for return to work. But even uh, even the smaller operations and clients that we work with, if at all possible, we st- still strongly encourage them to, and we'll work with them as best we can to help identify opportunities, whether it be even coming in and doing some office work or while you're on disability, just doing um uh, yeah, the small, smaller stuff to help the company get through something. If you can keep them from, turn, or you know, if you can keep a claim from turning into a lost time claim, you're going to realize those savings on the back end. So kind of talking about exactly that, you know, obviously here on this show, we talk about safety. We talk about the importance of making sure people can go home, you know, and, and what that means to a company. But what do you think on the financial standpoint? Because the reality is, is the reason why businesses are in business is to make money. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. But what are the financial advantages that this kind of stuff can do for an organization? Well, I mean, yeah, if you even take it beyond the actual claims costs associated, your medical, your temporary disability, your permanency, what have you. I mean, there's, you know, when you do have an injury, if they're off of work, you as a company, as the client, you've you've lost that productivity from that having that employee actually in in the operation, in the field, in the office, doing being productive for you. You know, you lose uh, the 
you might have to retrain a, another coworker to do that job. So you're, you're, there's a cost associated with that retraining until you can get that employee back to work. So there's a lot of, and just, you know, there's uh, just morale within the operation, coworker morale, all types of, uh, you know, those, those factors that aren't specifically tied into the claim costs itself. The so, indirect cost, right? The indirect, indirect cost. Yes, yes, thank you. That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> well, you know, I, I've seen studies where four to seven, even 10 times the actual cost, you know, with that indirect cost. And, and that's a lot of costs that people don't really consider uh, when you have these injuries because now you're taking up that manager or that, that supervisor or whatever that may be, taking up their time. Their job now is away from actually what makes the uh, company financially stronger because they're going backwards, right? And I think that's kind of what, what we're talking about. Just listening to you say, you know, lost productivity and then if a worker is not able to come back right away trying to find someone to fill that spot, right away I think you have to retrain that person and you have to retrain them how to be safe in that environment. And it's kind of like a temporary or a summer help. You know, the risk of them getting hurt is greater. So it's kind of like almost, I don't want to say a never ending cycle, but that risk is there yet again. So no, very, very valid point. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you even hit on a few things I hadn't, hadn't even thought about as well. But uh, yeah, it's, it can be a bit of a vicious cycle, so to speak. Can you um, kind of explain an advocacy based approach to handling the worker comp claims? Like what, what does that mean in your own words? Yeah. You know, over the years, just, you know, being on the on the carrier side, um, being involved in claims, it, I, I've seen a bit, bit of a kind of an evolution over the 30 plus years that I've, I've been in, in the claims world. Uh, back when I first got into it, I don't want to say claims were, you know, carriers weren't looking to deny claims, but it was more just a very cut and dried approach where you investigate the claim. If you deny the claim, it could be a bit adversarial at times where, you know, you take a hard, you used to be, a, you used to take a hard line on, on claims and, you know, you'd basically uh, force the injured worker out and get it, you know, to seek legal counsel. It would just get very adversarial. But over the years, over the last probably 10 to 15 years, I've seen a kind of a evolution where, I'm not saying you have to, you know, you investigate the claims, you handle the claims based on the merits of each individual case, case by case. But when a claim is determined to be compensable, it's accepted as a compensable claim, you know, there's been an approach where I guess we encourage employers to be very proactive in the overall handling of the claim, working closely with the insurance company you know, letting the employee, letting that injured worker know, you know, that you care for them, that you don't, you know, once a claim happens, you just let them go off and, and seek care and seek treatment and you you don't stay in communication with them. We we advocate or I always advocate stay in touch with your injured worker. Let them know that you care while they are off improving. So but likewise work closely with your your claim handler, the claim rep at the uh, insurance company. Communication is key in, in the overall handling of a claim, not only from uh, when a, a injury first happens, uh, you know, going through the entire reporting process, making sure pretty much every insurance company now has access or encourages the use of a triage nurse. So reporting your claim up through a nurse, let that nurse triage a claim, make some decisions, help 
provide some guidance with that injured worker to make sure they're getting the best care possible and or you know maybe they can be handled with you know just some self-care treatment options and if it doesn't improve they can then go seek counsel but it's just being that advocate not saying you know if if a claim truly is not work related and needs to be denied you know the claim should be denied but when it is deemed compensable uh, just be very proactive working with all the parties your medical providers get to know your local medical providers you know let them give them an opportunity to understand what your operation is about so you know when they are making that determination whether or not they can return to work they know what your operation's all about they can say well yeah I know XYZ company has this capability to to return this employee back to work. So just involving and encompassing or advocating with all the different stakeholders in a, a claim, it's, it's key. And I, I think you can drive claims to better outcomes if if everyone knows that you care about their well-being. So, Well, I mean, we're human, right? Number one, I think. And, and being able to work with that person, communicate with that person is definitely going to make it better in all aspects, I believe, you know, because once, once something happens, there's nothing we can do about it. So now we have to treat it that way. But Dave, what if we have an incident or an accident of some sort, right? What should we really expect from the insurance company? And, and what things should a, a safety professional look for getting for resources from the insurance company? Yeah. Again, kind of going back to what we were talking about from a, from the insurance company's standpoint, I mean, they're going to get the loss in, you know, first thing is they'll probably determine, you know, they'll want to determine if there's going to be any lost time or if the doctor's already taken them off work or not. They should be advocating to work with the employer to identify any opportunities to return that injured worker back to work. If the doctor has placed restrictions on an employee, um, determine if the employer can accommodate those restrictions. If not, you know, they need to be educating the employee on what to expect. And I'd say take that beyond just what the immediate uh, benefits are they're entitled to. I mean, just kind of explain the entire work comp process, what they can expect, you know, at different stages of the claim so that there are no surprises. That's the biggest thing. Most, you know, anytime a a claim happens for, you know, eight or nine times out of 10, it's going to be the first time that uh, injured workers ever had a work comp claim or delved into the work comp arena. And, you know, for people that haven't been doing it for 30 years, it's a, it can be a bit of a scary option out there. And, you know, you've got legal firms out there advertising and, you know, wanting to to uh, help out these clients. And I'm, I'm, I have no issues or concerns or qualms with an attorney getting involved in a claim. But, you know, I think you can ease an injured worker's mind quite a bit by just being upfront with them, let them know what they can expect through the whole process, kind of outlining timelines. There's no black or white, you know, every claim doesn't fit into a cookie cutter process. Uh, Each claim's unique. Each uh, individual responds to treatment differently. So you just got to, you got to work with the doctor, work with the employer, identify areas that you can get them back to work, and then just try to 
keep that that treatment mitigated as best as possible. But some claims do go into, you know, they they don't respond to conservative care and it goes into a surgical situation. And you just, again, just be very proactive and, and communicate with all the stakeholders along the way. So they should be, the insurance companies should not only be communicating with the injured worker, they should be keeping the employer informed of what's going on as well. You know, let the employer know if there's been any change in recommended care from the treating doctor and and uh, just keep all of those lines of communication open. Yeah, I've, I often uh, thought that when I have an employee come to me already knowing what the worker comp rules and requirements are, that's usually when um, I know there's probably be a little bit more trouble, <laughs> you know, because you're right. Most of the people that get hurt are the first time, the only time they don't understand the process. And it's important as, that we explain that to them, what the process is and how, how it's all going to work out because they don't know. Right. I was going to say, just listening to you kind of give, you know, the steps in more simple form to our listeners. I think that's good because I can see if you're not prepared, how overwhelming it can be if you don't have someone to reach out to. And one of my other questions that you've already answered was going to be, you know, how do you keep all this communication going and make sure there's no, no one lost in the shuffle? And just listening to all the people and all the parts that are involved, I think you hit it right on. Communication, I think, is always very important. But in a situation like this, wow, like you really, really have to be conscious of that. So I think that was a really, really good point that you made there for our listeners. Yeah. You know, there are, you know, some smaller claims, first aid type of claims, or even maybe just they went and sought care, one a one-time treat and do those type of claims, those smaller, some in the industry will call those fast track claims where it's just a one or two treatment. There's no lost time involved. And I know many insurance companies out there, they may not, those type of claims may not be as high touch as the other claims that could involve lost time and or, you know, surgeries or more complex care. But definitely any of those high higher stake type of claims, uh, there should be just constant ongoing communication. And, and even us on the agency side, again, that's kind of my role to ensure that all these claims for our clients are are being handled accordingly, being proactively handled. So, and look, we're all human. Sometimes things will fall through the cracks or just not get the attention it deserves. And and that's where I, I can step in and just make sure, you know, if one of our clients is not getting a response or or they just don't under, understand the process. I'm. I, that's my role within the agency here is to advocate on on their behalf and explain what they. I'll, I'll work with many clients and explain the litigation process if it does go into litigation, and and I can walk them through that. Yes, the insurance company should be doing that as well. But you know, between all of us, again communicating and, and letting them know they there should be no surprises. Um, it's not a black and white industry, so to speak. Yes, it's all driven by the statute and the statute language, but there's different interpretations on on how the statute can be interpreted sometimes too. Well, I uh, we thank you for joining us. I think you did a really good job explaining a lot of information but in a way that it's easy to understand. So this is that's a perfect helpful. episode for young safety professionals that are getting into the field to understand this because this is these are such crucial things that we don't necessarily hit that much in their schooling. It's once they get out in the world, I think. I don't know how you feel about that, Dave, but that's kind of the way that I've seen it. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. And and there is so so many opportunities for crossover between, you know, the claims prof- professional and the safety and loss control professionals to, you know, after an accident has occurred and and doing that post-accident uh, assessment on how it occurred, what could have been done to prevent it and what can be done to prevent future such occurrences. So there is a lot of opportunities between the claims folks and the the safety and loss control folks that that you know I've learned a lot on the safety side since I came into this role about three years ago. So uh, some things I never even thought about or considered. I've uh, I've learned a lot just in the last three years from a safety perspective. So it's been a, a lot of fun. I think it'll also be a good episode for not even small business owners, business owners in general to listen to and realize if they don't have, you know, good processes in right. place, this is really, really important, you know, sure. for, for their business. So, yep. yeah. yeah, Because maybe going smooth, but you got, I call it the four years. I know Dave, you said three years, which is true either way, right? You got that holding pattern year. And if you aren't watching those years, your EMR or mod rate will go up, and then it's very hard to recover after that point, and, and something has to give, right? You don't recover overnight, that's for yeah, sure. It's, exactly. it's a process. So. <laughs> hey, everybody, this is Ted. You want to move your career along quicker? Allow me to be able to mentor you. Time for mentoring within a lot of our organizations is tough. Time is little. 97% of mentees say it is very valuable for their career to be mentored. It is a tough job that just doesn't have enough time for safety professionals sometimes. I have mentored over 100 safety professionals in my career, and we are the best at mentoring safety professionals because we understand the work. We have a simple three-step process to get you started. Go to healthandsafetynow.com, click on the black button in the top right corner, fill out the information, and submit. It is that easy, and we can get started tomorrow. Look forward to hearing from you. Dave, thank you so much for all the valuable information you have uh, and for being on TED Speaks today. But as you know, this is probably my favorite part of the episodes is when we we question you (laughs) on your knowledge of our high-quality jokes. Dad jokes. (laughs) (laughs) The dad jokes, okay. So the question is, are you ready? As ready as I'm ever going to (laughs) be. I got to say, Barb was chuckling at all these uh, today. So um, I think they sound funny when I read them to myself. And then when we say them on air, it's kind of like... Eh, we'll see. <laughs> Why is Dracula so easy to fool? Why is Dracula so easy to fool? Uh, Barb's already laughing because she knows the yeah. answer. I, I do not know. Because he is a sucker. <laughs> it took me a minute too, Dave. Uh, okay, okay. But Barb likes it, so. Oh, well, you know, sometimes they're hard to find here. Okay. What did the worker do when his boss told him to have a good day? Stump me again. I'm not sure. He went home. (laughs) Uh, Okay, okay. (laughs) That's kind of the way that I felt about that. Hey, uh, Dave, again, thank you so much for being on TED Speaks today. And would you uh, please share your contact information if somebody wanted to get a hold and learn a little bit more about about you? Sure. Probably just they can call the agency, but uh, I mean, my direct line, 920-886-7651. And yeah, if there's anything I can ever just help anybody out in just general work comp knowledge. Uh, or if you're actually looking for some coverage, I can get you in contact with our our uh, risk management team, our risk advisor team, and uh, happy to help out in that regard too. So, but I, I also want to thank you for the opportunity to to join your, your podcast here. I, I've uh, been listening to it for a while and uh, 
happy to have an opportunity to, to visit with you guys. Well, thank you very much. Yes. It was nice talking with you and lots of good information. So we appreciate it. And uh, as everybody knows, have a super safe day. Thank you. Thank you for listening to TED Speaks with Ted Carew, owner of Total Health and Safety Solutions, providing health and safety support to businesses by customizing a safety process to fit their needs, big or small. Please connect at ted.carew at healthandsafetynow.com or visit our website, healthandsafetynow.com to share your safety stories or find out more about how we can work together to ensure your people go home safely and turn an expense into a profit center. Follow us and leave a review on your favorite podcast app. Have a super safe week. 